Cyril Desprez is one of Dakar's icons. With over 20 years' experience in the dunes. Alongside his great rival Mark Comer, Desprez dominated the two-wheel category for a decade winning five times and securing 10 podiums before making the move to four wheels in 2015, earning his first podium finish in 2017. He's like always motivated. It's like the challenge makes him happy. He was a legend and he's done so much at, uh, during his career. We, we all looked up to him. An ambassador, a guy that knows what he wants and uh, normally gets what he wants. Winning one Dakar is difficult, to win five is pretty incredible. And now he's planning his most radical change yet. With his goal to race at Dakar 2023 in a hydrogen-powered Gen Z racing car, Depre is entering the 2022 edition on a data-gathering mission for the project. You know, I, I really like the, the spirit of the race and I don't want to be an exception. I want to start in the same place and finish in the same place with the same vehicle. Is it possible to have a zero-emission vehicle today? I say yes. Can we have a really competitive vehicle? Today I say yes. When? I hope in 23. And I'm really pushing a lot for that. I'm Caroline Demores, and on this episode of Beyond the Ordinary, we are going to explore the impact rally racer Cyril Desprez has had on the Dakar one of the toughest races in motorsport. And we're going to discover what drives him to continue pushing the boundaries of what is possible after so many years at the forefront of the event. If you're new to the Dakar, then be sure to check out our Guide 2 episode from Season 1. It's linked in the description of this episode. And remember... If you like what you hear, be sure to follow Beyond the Ordinary wherever you get your podcasts. Whatever's powering a car at the Dakar, the driver needs to be in peak physical and mental shape. My name is Joel Laborde. I am the coach performance for Cyril Depré. Cyril had a problem with his back like more than 10 years ago. We start to training together to fix that problem, and then we start to to train for the Dakar, and then the rest is history. He won a Dakar, another one, another one, another one, to five. Well, the thing with Cyril, he's very disciplined. He's very focused when he's doing something. So working with him is is very easy. Training start at uh, six forty this morning. I used to to take part of. Uh, of the Dakar on a motorcycle during 14 years and uh, I knew the exact details, the amount of training on a motorcycle, on a gym, on a bicycle also uh, to get some strong legs, uh, doing a lot of gym for the arms and, and, and also the upper body. But on a car is, uh, is different. You are fixed on a, on a seat, uh, your neck is working a lot, your arms stay like uh, eight hours in front of you. That means it's a different exercise to get ready for the car. It's uh, something different, but uh, after five, six Dakar on a car, now I, I know where to go. 
Trainer Joel Laborde has been a central part of Team Daypray since he first worked with Cyril in 2008. He's been a key part of his transition from two wheels to four, including designing a programme for him to address the unique mental challenges of the Dakar. So we've been developed train system for the Dakar for everything that you can imagine besides the physical training, the cognitive training, the ear, the internal ear. And when you have somebody talking to you by your side, you have to have a real understanding. When we meet on the gym, you just adapt the training or where we are. Do we need to more stretching? Do we need to work in a different aspect? Uh, this morning was a, a cognitive training to train your brain, to recognize the color, to hear some song and to act with some uh, uh, balls or ping pong racket. Going on the gym is not taking like 40 kilo of weight and pushing until uh, the sweat is coming. Mastering the art of navigation is one of the unique challenges of the sport of rally raid. When Cyril was the king of two wheels, he managed this himself. Now, in a car, he relies entirely on his co-driver for vital instructions to make sure his path across the dunes is quick and safe. It takes a while for me, you know, to don't have a look uh, with my eyes on, on his roadbook. Or if I do not understand the next box of the roadbook and, and the next direction, I was trying to see and I realized that I may keep my eyes on the road, you know, when this vehicle are crossing the desert in a, in a high speed, it's better to watch uh, and, and to stay focused on the track. I am Stéphane Peter Ansel. I'm a professional rider and driver since uh, 40 years. Now I am a driver for the next Dakar for the team Audi. The most important thing is to trust on the driver because, you know, if you want to drive fast, you need to have a co-driver that you trust. If he did too much mistake, like forget a caution three, a big caution, for example, you, you will crash. So this is, for me, the most important thing, to be really precise when the, he announced the, the caution. It's really important also to have a good co-driver concerning the pure navigation. It's, it means that to find a good way to follow the cap is also really imp important. And after, uh, yeah, to have a simple and a good uh, relationship inside the cockpit is really, really important. For 2022, he won't have the familiar voice of explorer Mike Horn in the seat next to him. Instead, Cyril's co-driver will sound very different. I'm Tay Perry. I'm co-pilot for Cyril Dupre at 2022 Dakar. So it's, it's, it's been a big change. We're kind of working on our dialogue in the car. I'm not using 100% English. For example, say, like if, if I'd say um, 500, danger, keep left. With Cyril, I won't be using certain words. For example, fork. In French, fork sounds too much like four. And, um, you know, especially for someone whose first language is not, not English. I have to be a lot more precise and a lot more clear. I also have to change my tone a bit because um, he's more reactive to, to the way notes are called. For most... The prospect of racing across inhospitable and unfamiliar territory at high speed, taking direction in your second language, would definitely be something to fear. Cyril relishes in the challenge. I always say that to be fast in the desert, you don't need only to be fast. You have to, to manage a multitask. 
English is a, a little task more to accept and to try to make it correctly and and as fast as you can to to get the details, to get the information and to act. This is part of the adventure of Dakar. Cyril's willingness to try the impossible in the pursuit of success was clear from his first involvement with the race. Back in 1999, before he was a multi-time Dakar winner, he was a mechanic working in Paris. Cyril's inventiveness uncovered a unique path onto the start line. I wanted to take part of the Dakar. I, I, it was a, a, a dream. Uh, but uh, when you are a mechanic and you, you own €1,500 per month, it's not easy to find uh, the money to go to Dakar. When we decide to... Uh, with a friend to go to the Dakar as an amateur's uh, rider. We bought 6,000 bottles of wine, cheap, not a really good wine, but a French wine. And then we put a sticker on, on the bottle to say, please help us to make our dream come true. If we sell all these box, we will reach this 30,000 euro we need. This was the most a difficult time for, for me because I'm not a seller, I'm not really good for selling anything. But I manage. I, I ask my uncle, my grandma, my grandfather, my neighbor, the neighbor of my neighbor and the neighbor of my uh, aunt and we manage. Nowadays, with the advent of social media, Cyril feels the world offers more opportunities for young drivers to find funding provided they're willing to put their creativity to the test. Today, with the social network, you don't have to move yourself. I mean, you, you can send a story, you can just explain what you want to do with what is your, your dream, your project. Uh, somebody creative today can reach a hundred times more people than I was in my Christmas market of my 5,000 people living in my little village. A mainstay in the sport for over two decades, Cyril's relationship with rival Mark Comer is one of the most competitive in world sport. Between them, they won 10 consecutive Dakar rallies between 2005 and 2015. Mark Comer is no longer competing in the Dakar, but a decade of elite competition shaped the way Cyril approaches the race. You know, I during 10 years, 12 years, uh, I realized that uh, the guy which is looking like me the most is not my brother or my father. It, it was Markoma. He was training hard and I was trying to, to train hard. He was going fast and I was trying to go fast. I mean, we had uh, the same wishes and at the end there were one seat only. And it's crazy to imagine that during 10 years, Nobody have won the Dakar on a motorcycle except him or me. Uh, a victory in front of Mark, it was really a victory. I mean, it, it's, he never give up, he never give it easy. I'm Marcoma, I'm from Spain, I'm five times Dakar winner. Well, I think that between Cyril and me, is, uh, we are part of the Dakar history, no? The relation between two winners, 
in the big races like that is is sometimes it's not easy, but it's is part of the game for sure. No, he was my motivation, you know, and he was the reason that why I want to be better every day. You know, during all the year, during all the preparation to Dakar, always you know going deep to find what where I can be better, where I have to work. This is was clear that uh, I was his motivation and he was my motivation. I'm Tay Perry. Back in the day when uh, Cyril was dominating and he won five Dakars, and I used to look at those days as pure racing. Days were longer. The racing was longer. It wasn't just 12 days of racing. It was a lot, lot longer. They also had heavier machinery. They had their work cut out for them. For Cyril, racing against Mark Comer in a golden era of the race emphasised the importance of Dakar's spirit, particularly against their mutual enemy, the Dakar route. You know, I realised quite soon uh, that uh, Dakar, it's a race, it's a big event, uh, it's something that I'm really looking for uh, every year. But in the meantime, it it can be dangerous, you know. Mark and myself, we have uh, lost a couple of friends, Richard Saint, Andy Caldecott, uh, and Fabrizio Mioni, my, my teammate. I am Stéphane Peter Ansel. I did 10 Dakars with a, with a bike, and I never crashed. I never had a big crash. I never had a big injury. So I say maybe this is the time. But I saw a lot of uh, accidents uh, just in the front of me. One of my best friends died just in the front of, of me. So I say maybe it's the time to, to change. You want to win, I want to win, but uh, I need to race against the desert, respecting the desert and trying to to face him like the most uh, strongest competitor. The years which I did not make the mistake, I win. And the years which uh, I did some mistake, uh, I did not. I have done 14 Dakar on a motorcycle and I've been winning five times, but I was there on the podium 11 times. I mean, I was close. Nothing was missing. It's it's just not a question of luck. It's, it's just the, the question of I am prepared physically. I have a good team. Sometimes it works and sometimes not, but uh, I I always did my my best. During Cyril's time at the Dakar, he's ridden bikes and cars with wildly different power sources, from 400cc Honda bikes to 3-litre Peugeot cars. Now he's planning a new challenge at Dakar that won't require an engine at all. In 2023, Cyril hopes to attack the Dakar rally in a Generation Z hydrogen-powered car. And part of that motivation boils down to his own Generation Z's his two daughters who inspired the idea. I have a, a daughter of eight years old and, and 11 years old. And, and one day they were asking uh, why I do motorsport. And then uh, I said, because I, I love the speed, I love to ride, I love to drive. And then, uh, and then uh, they say, but you know, uh, this smokes, uh, it's smelling. And he said, yeah, we are trying year after year to reduce, but uh, soon uh, uh, the, the car will not make any smoke. And he said, and you will drive this car. came in my mind to say, look, do we, I need to wait for somebody to, to, to show me the way to compete in the future, 
or can I be just uh, one of the guys which help for the future of the motorsport? And I said, I'm not, uh, I'm not stupid. I, I love the technical, I love the mechanic. I can start to understand and, and see what's going on, which direction, electricity, uh, hybrid, or maybe uh, hydrogen. And then um, in the meantime, this friend, Mike Horn, an adventurer, which was just finishing to cross the, the North Pole by night, said, that's a fantastic uh, project and he wanted to be in. And this is where it starts. The experts from CEA, an energy research group backed by the French government, immediately took an interest in Cyril's fledgling project. Your project looks interesting because if we can make a fuel cell without uh, contamination, without emission, which can go uh, racing, which can go on a desert with all it means, it's hot, it's warm, it's sandy, it's windy, it's, it's hard for the mechanic. And if uh, we develop a fuel cell which can show we can race a, a competition like Dakar, one of the strongest, with a, a new kind of vehicle, this can show the world that, yeah, maybe in five years we are ready with, uh, with same fun, same speed, uh, same torque, same power. We now know the how powerful is the fuel cell Gen Z? Let's go. This cutting-edge technology is nearly ready to take on the Dakar, but how does it work? The guy is going uh, into a box which called fuel cell, and we put some air from the outside of the car, we mix it to make electrolyse, and it produces electricity. The electricity goes to a small battery, and the battery goes to the engine, electric engine and the car go fast. Cyril's revolutionary new power source was inspired by the next generation and a recent trip to his daughter's school confirmed that he was on the right path. It was a small classroom. Uh, there were six, seven different countries represented on, on, on his classroom. Some English, some Russian, some Spanish, French, Andorran. And I realized that during an hour, we keep the interest from the kids and they were non-stop asking questions. And they were amazed, you know, and I realized that it's, it's a bet. It's definitely a bet for the future. Do we need fuel cell? Do we need uh, hydrogen into the motorsport? I think so, personally. And I'm working on that direction. And the next step in that direction is the 2022 Dakar. As in 2021, Cyril will line up on the start line with a car featuring components from the 2023 hydrogen-powered machine as he and his team try to gather data for their groundbreaking new car. 21, we had a, a lot of data concerning the speed, uh, the shock, the impact of the car, the temperature, and some of the electrical consumption the light, the navigation, the inflation system. And then from that, this French uh, uh, company called CEA, they are developing the future of sustainable energy vehicle. And then they realize that um, it's already great. And they plan to use some components to compress the air, uh, to transform the electricity uh, for the car. There's plenty component on this uh, hydrogen car. This car for 22, it will still have a combustion engine, 
we have to say, this is the part of the development. This is the part, this is where we want to go. But uh, we need to go through this step uh, and uh, we will measure a bit more uh, the, the quantity of electricity we need. And the electricity for a hydrogen-powered car is nothing like the electricity you find in the battery of your internal combustion engine, as Cyril explains. Just to give you an idea, uh, our car, your car, my car, is a 12-volt car with a 12-volt battery. Uh, a fuel cell are producing uh, electricity, but not 12 volts, 700 volts. This number of voltage, this, this power, we have to transform it apart from the engine of the car and the other part uh, for uh, the GPS, the roadbooks, the lights, the windscreen uh, heater. You can't have a better try uh, than, a, than a race like Dakar. That's why all these components, we, which is already uh, fixed on the car, uh, will, uh, will work, will do their job, and we will realize that uh, uh, especially because of the quality of the air with a lot of silicium inside because of the desert to see if they can keep going or do we need to go to another component. As motorsport looks for greener ways to go racing, the obvious solution may have appeared to be traditional electric power. But for Cyril, hydrogen power fits the ethos of racing at the Dakar. What I really love in the Dakar is the endurance. The endurance the, means a stage of Dakar is, is 500 kilometers, 600 kilometers. A complete day can reach uh, eight to 900 with the, with the liaison, the asphalt on the morning. And the... I don't want to make a quarter of stage. I don't want to even make the half of stage. I want to make the whole stage. I want to race the whole Dakar, not a half Dakar. The hydrogen have this uh, capacity. We have uh, seven tanks. In seven minutes, you are loading 30 kilo of hydrogen, which lasts 300 kilometers, okay? Which kind of battery can do that now? No one. It's not possible to do it. When you arrive with 300 kilometers in the refueling point, which at the moment the quad, the bike and the side-by-side -side have their refueling, the organization will put a, a tank, not only for fuel, but for hydrogen. And in the future, for the trucks or the car, which they need, you don't have to, to stay there uh, four hours with your plug uh, of electricity and to say, uh, is there a coffee anywhere? Uh, can, I, can I have a rest? Because uh, I'm good to go, but only in four hours time. No, that's, that's not Dakar. That's, sorry, you know, I, I really like the, the spirit of the race and I don't want to be an exception. I want to start in the same place and finish in the same place with the same vehicle. Is it possible to have a zero emission vehicle? Today, I say yes. Can we have a really competitive vehicle? Today, I say yes. When? I hope in 23 and I'm really pushing a lot for that. Whatever happens over the next two years, Cyril Desprez will always be one of the first names associated with the world's wildest off-road race. 22 years after he sold bottles of wine to fund his place at the Dakar, its allure still has a strong hold on Cyril. I feel home when I'm in the desert. Uh, 
alone on a bike or with a co-driver. It's a, it's a place which fascinates me. How nature can make a beautiful places uh, like that. Uh, the shape of the dunes, the, the color of the sand, this is just amazing. I'm not afraid to say Dakar give me all. Da Dakar give me the, uh, uh, my name, uh, Dakar give me uh, pleasure, trophies, uh, give me uh, the possibility to, to discover all, all the world, all the desert in the world. And, and uh, when I have to, to see my face on the mirror, I said, can I do also something for the Dakar? Or, or do I always keep everything for myself? And, and I think this is the life, this is an exchange. And today I don't want to wait for somebody to, 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 to build the next vehicle, you know? And I go, I don't think twice, you know? That's it for today's episode. Remember to hit follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear more about the world of the Dakar Rally, we've got another episode with fellow Dakar 22 driver Christina Gutierrez for you to listen to right now. Make sure you follow the 2022 Dakar Rally by tuning in to Dakar Daily on Red Bull TV in January. Or if you can't wait until then, check out the latest Dakar series from dawn till dusk, also available on Red Bull TV to learn everything you need to know about the event.